Hello, Celia Jessen here with our Tidying Up episode. But first it's time for the theme tune, of course, written by our neighbour's son, Oliver, on his tablet. Oh, welcome to our book club. It's going to be such fun with book reviews and interviews and japes for everyone. Celia, have you seen my drill? It was by the fridge last Friday. Oh, Fred, you know I sometimes wish that you weren't so untidy. Untidy? Why, what do you mean? Oh, come on, Fred, admit it. You'd change the car's oil in the lounge if only I'd permit it. Oh, listen listen to our book club and you can judge its worth. We taped it in the library and it's called Wife on Earth. Shh! Oh, it's called Wife on Earth. Shh! You're very untidy, Fred. Oh, dear. I'd better change my ways. Well, yes, you had in pronto. So let's do this week's podcast. It's about that Marie Kondo. Look at me, I can't stop rhyming. Hello, and welcome to our book club podcast, Wife on Earth. I'm your host, Celia Jessen. It's an odd title, isn't it, Wife on Earth? It was my husband Fred's idea. Fred's not here at the moment. He's at home, keeping an eye on the builders. We're having our extension turned back into a loft. It is a little crowded in here, as it is also Book Amnesty Week here at Milton Library, so everyone's been having a clear out and have returned all their overdue books for no charge is thrilling for them all I'm sure you know the books have uh, been piling up they really are truly a sight I have spotted at least 29 copies of uh, David Niven's The Moon's a Balloon do you know I hope one day that our podcast might receive a commission from the BBC or someone like that we'll be able to go on a world tour of all the most magnificent libraries of the world well that is if Giles Corrin doesn't suggest he does it first My husband Fred was furious with a series in which Giles gets to stay in all the best hotels in the world and get paid for it because Fred wished he'd thought of it first. I told him, Fred, no one wants to watch you glowering at dust in a hotel room or checking for stains with your UV pen when they could be gazing lovingly at Giles Corran, half-dressed in a never-ending pool with his laughing eyes and bronze shoulders, do they? Anyway, today's episode is all about Marie Kondo's life-changing magic of tidying. But before any of that, it's time to hear from our sponsors. Here at Merriman's Dairy, we make our butter the old-fashioned way. Two 16-stone men with churns of cream strapped to their heads, butting into each other on a village green for seven and three-quarter hours, cheered on by a crowd of baying yokels. Only the gentle rhythm of the battering to the hoarse cries of the assembled rustics can give our butter its special velvety texture. And of course... Our unique taste. <laughs> At Merriman's Dairy, we package our butter the old-fashioned way, chopped into rectangles by a brawny blind peasant wielding a scimitar, then hand-wrapped in waxed paper by old ladies chained to stone tables placed directly above ley lines. And at Merriman's Dairy, we sell our butter the old-fashioned way. From a horse cart driven at breakneck speed through town under cover of midnight. Merriman's. Butter. The way it used to be. And now with his book review, please welcome local actor Russell Nigels. Good morrow, gentle listener. 
You'll find me here at home, in my humble abode, resting again, I am sorry to say, but not idle. You know, many, many years ago, I was seated on a bench near the South Bank at about two o'clock in the afternoon, enjoying, um, I believe it was a can of uh, Strongbow, uh, yes, Strongbow cider, um, when who should approach me? But the late, great Robert Hardy, who you might remember as Siegfried Farnan in All Creatures Great and Small. Now, Bob and I, we'd, we'd worked together on an episode of The Duchess of Duke Street, so he knew me. And when he saw me sitting there on the bench, he strode up and admonished me for wasting an afternoon in idle revelry. An actor he said, must be working even when he is not working. And then he saw Tim Pickett-Smith exiting the National, and he rushed over to him for a conflap. And I, 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 I've always taken his words of wisdom to heart, and I try to keep myself busy in times when work is thin on the ground, and God knows it is thin on the ground right now, which is why I am glad to do another review for my friend Celia's little podcast. Now, this book, which arrived this morning in a package from Mr. Amazon, pay your taxes, is not something that I'd seen before. I am unaware of the works of Ms. Kondo, who apparently has a show on Netflix. Um, and uh, that's not much of a boast, really, because they'll give every bleeder in the world his own show on Netflix, it appears, these days. Except me, apparently. Um, and that's uh, not bitter, not bitter. So, so, uh, the book. And I, I regard myself as a very uh, spiritual person. And there seems to be a, a spiritual element to the tidying up described in this book. The idea is that one's living space and the objects in it are filled with a divine energy. Now, I live in a bedsit in Tower Hamlets, and to be honest, I find it a little difficult to imagine that my Z-bed, ironing board, baby belling and quarter-sized fridge throb with a mystical energy. So perhaps... I should try with some more personal objects. I try to have an uncluttered abode, but I do have a few keepsakes dotted about. Um, let's have a little one around here. So here, oh, well, here is um, here is an award I won for it was best performance in a training film in 1973 for my performance as forgetful man in queue in Barclays Bank. Um, I don't. I, t I don't know why I keep it around, to be honest. I mean, all glorious fleeting. Apparently, Terence Stamps. Uh, Terence Stamps, he keeps his in the lab. That's, uh... Anyway, um, here, here I have a prop, which I took from the first ever film I appeared in. It's a severed head from a Hammer production I was in called Blood of the Vampire's Claw. It's it's an amusing thing to have around. It um I once uh, gave um, uh, Ian Ogilvy a terrible fright by whipping it out suddenly when he was over tea and Bickies. I, I it was a, a laugh. Um, not seen Ian since. Ah, so um so and what what do we have here? What's this? Ah, this is my dearest possession. This is a is a letter. 
from the great Ralph Richardson, uh, to, to, to whom I wrote as a teenager, to ask for advice about my uh, acting career. Um, uh, Dear Russell Nigels, he writes, how did you get my address? Please go away and leave me alone. Yeah, good old Ralph. Um, do, do, you know, do you know what? All these objects spark joy, and I'm keeping all of them. So there, stick that in your pipe, Ms Condo, um, if you have a pipe around your immaculately tarnished house. Um, um, so, so, yes, yes. As they're not playing, I'm not playing. I'm not playing ball, as they say. As they say, much, much, uh, much, yes, much, much ado about nothing. Must call the gas ball tomorrow. Now, speaking of sparking joy, I'm about to light up a Rothmans and head off to Mister William Hills to put my last tenner on Silver Lady. In the three fifteen at Kempton Park, so I shall bid thee fare thee well. Thank you for your words of wisdom, Russell Nigels. And next up for our tidying up reviews, we're going to be joined by our head librarian, Marianne Crooks, lover of books. That's her nickname. Oh gosh, I hope she didn't hear me. She went like that at all. Here she comes. Hello, Marianne. So, Marion, what did you think of Marie Kondo's book? Do you think she'd make a good librarian? Um, no, no, no. She's she's too short. Too short? Actually, uh, four foot seven, she'd have to stand on a box to be short. Librarianship's very much a tall person's game. Gosh, really? Uh, what, Philip Larkin, uh, six foot two. Melville Dewey, uh, six foot eight. Eratosthenes. Seven foot nine. Crikey. I suppose you'd need to be tall to reach the high up shelves. That's correct. Ah. Um, so, uh, Oliver the Goldsmith uh, got a job at the British Library and um, he couldn't reach anything above the sort of the five foot ten mark but was too proud to admit it. Um, once Robert Southey came in and asked for a book on moral philosophy, uh, Goldsmith could see all the moral philosophy books up there but he knew he couldn't reach them so he told Southey moral philosophy didn't exist and that of course led indirectly to the Crimean War the Crimean War gosh Marion I do enjoy these conversations of ours I learn so much so do you agree with Marie's idea of getting rid of things that don't spark joy I mean well, could the library downsize to that degree uh, we had to downsize once, actually, under the Thatcher government. Um, we were ordered to get rid of all the non-essential titles. Uh, we ended up with two books, Sex by Madonna and a German cookery book. Well, I say, and did they spark joy? Well, uh, luckily, uh, we'd had a convention in town from the Hamburg Nymphomaniacs Association, so we were busier than ever. Really? No. Well, thank you for that in-depth look at Tidying Up by Marie Kondo. Thank you, Marianne Crooks. You're listening to Wife on Earth podcast, and next up with his book review of Marie Kondo's The Art of Tidying Up. I'm terribly sorry. I keep calling it different things, don't I? You see, the trouble is, I did buy a copy of this book because the library copies had all been borrowed, and... And Marie advises that you donate your book to the charity shop once you've finished reading it, which I did, and so I'm not able to refer to it at all. I think it's called The Magic Art of Tidying 
Oh, here's Fred. Good day. Now, I was very pleased when Celia asked me to review a book on tidying up. I have long been an exponent of the vital importance of tidiness, a place for everything and everything in its place. A tidy room equals a tidy mind, as my mother used to say. God rest her soul. Not that they seem to teach any of this at so-called schools these days. Oh, no, you can't move for non-binary this or LGBT that. But heaven forbid they should tell children to pick up after themselves. I don't know what I bother paying my taxes for. <clears throat> but I'll get off my soap box now and get on with the review. Now, it won't have escaped your notice that the author of this book, Miss Marie Kondo, is a person of Oriental extraction. This immediately made me suspect that this book must be something to do with Feng Shui. I remember back in the late 90s when Celia became obsessed with Feng Shui. She made me move the settee, the easy chair and the poof in the living room and hang a mirror on the partition wall. Apparently this would release harmonious energy in the room. Whether or not it did, I do not know although the cat did stop throwing up on the rug after that, so perhaps there was something in it. But Feng Shui is Chinese, and Miss Kondo is Japanese, and her approach is a touch more draconian. Rather than simply arranging your possessions, Miss Kondo advises to get rid of them altogether. I suppose I can see the merit in such a philosophy, although it does occur to me that if Miss Kondo had been around in the Renaissance, we would have 95% fewer Tintorettos. <laughs> So, basically, the idea is that you should take stock of all your possessions and look at each object at a time and decide not whether it is useful, but if it brings you joy. If it doesn't bring you joy, it's down to cancer research with it. So, I've decided to try this out with a random selection of items taken from the living room. Let's see if the condo method will work. Item 1. An original 1956 boxed Sabutio set of Tottenham Hotspur football team wearing their home strip. Does this bring me joy? Yes, of course it does. It's got all the players, Eddie Bailey, Danny Blanchflower, Johnny Brooks, Ted Ditchburn. And look, you can see where I touched up Ron Reynolds' jersey with Tipex when it wore away. This brings me nothing but joy. Oh, the memories of the many happy afternoons I'd spend playing this with Jimmy Prentice next door. I was always Spurs and he was always Liverpool. There is no way I'd ever get rid of this. I'd sooner get rid of my hammer drill. Or Celia. You'll have to take my Sabutia from my cold, dead hands, Condo. Item two, a copy of the number one ladies' detective agency by Alexander McCall Smith. Does this spark joy? No. In fact, I had no idea we had it. I certainly haven't read it, and I'm pretty sure Celia hasn't either. Was it a Christmas present? OK, Kondo, this is going straight to the charity shop. Item 3, a Toshiba video recorder purchased in 1989. Now, does this spark joy? Well, no, but then it's not its job to spark joy, is it? It's its job to play the videotapes. I mean, the vacuum cleaner and the toaster don't spark joy either. Neither does the shoe tree. Well, any a bit. It seems to me that there is a flaw in Miss Kondo's argument, an element of woolly thinking, one might say, and that is that life is not all about joy. In fact, I was saying to Celia only the other day that life is not all about joy, and she said, yes, I know, Fred. Sensible woman. So, to sum up, I'd say that the petite Miss Kondo means well, but needs to buck her ideas up a bit. If she worked in an oil refinery and threw away everything that didn't spark joy, they'd be up a certain creek without a certain paddle. Three stars.
thank you for that, Fred. This is from Marie Kondo's book, The Magic Art of Tidying. In this book, I have summed up how to put your space in order that will change your life forever. Aha, so this is a self-help book. I've not always been aware of what constitutes self-help. I have a very large collection of books about how to be charming, how to be a lady, how to get out of a car without flashing your nethers, and I didn't realise they were self-help until Cosmic Shambles Network's Robin Ince popped over to collect a foot-wide compendium on science that he'd found in our local charity shop and wasn't able to carry because he already had an enormous ladies' trolley full of books, and so he asked me to go back for it for him. And when he came round to collect it, he told me, upon seeing my shelves, that they were self-help. Well, I immediately went off them, and mortified by this, Robin Ince reassured me that they are the best kind of self-help, presumably meaning they are A, an historic social document, and B, hilarious. I'm not sure, though. I try to laugh at them and end up trying out all the advice. Now, one of my very, very favourites is this one here. It's Nita Colby's Beauty Book. This has an incredible four-week beauty and charm course by Anita Colby, and um, it does things like you wear um, hand cream for nine hours at a time, try not to gobble heavy, rich foods. And in week two, day six, you have to do the Hollywood slant, which involves lying upside down on an ironing board to get the blood to your cheeks so they become rosy. And at the end of the course, you learn to walk for a day, then you go on a date, and the last entry is that you have a baby. And finally, I have here a little pamphlet, New Foods for a New Wife. So this seems to be um, sponsored by Maggie Seasoning and Finder's Crispy Pancakes, which seem to feature in every recipe, so that's exciting. It really is quite fun. Goulash using buttock steak. I've never heard of buttock steak, have you? Oh, they mean rump, don't they? Silly. Maybe it's Maybe it's American. Anyway, so... I love these books. They definitely spark joy for me, and so I'm keeping them. I have, however, donated all my long-sleeved thermal underwear to the local charity shop, and now I'm freezing. Yeah, I'd better carry on and do my review, hadn't I, of this book? We regularly donate to our local cat hospital charity shop, but we don't leave it outside. We walk down with it on a Thursday. Sometimes we don't even have to drop it off. I don't know about you, but in our local area, we have a bag collection van come round two or three times a year, which is very convenient. Except for the last time, when it wasn't convenient at all. You see, it all started when Fred couldn't find his crossword. Fred, you haven't moved away from your chair with it, have you? Well, you are a silly. Have a look down the side. Billy, come away from that Battenberg. Oh, Fred, you know what happens if he takes cake and juice together. He won't be able to play properly, and they'll be up all night. Billy, you can have one later, and don't try and rearrange it. I've counted the slices. Any luck, Fred? No? Oh, dear, this is very silly. We'll have to have a clear out. It must be here somewhere. It took me much longer to sort through than I thought. Billy had collected over 3,000 cigarette cards of wild flowers. I didn't know they all had names, and so I read each one. I put last season's knitting patterns in a box, along with some stays which had gone through a hot wash and were now nine metres wide. Then I turned my attention to my wardrobe. It was a frightful mess. It really is beyond me how I've managed to be so well turned out at all. By the time I'd finished, it was a terrific pile. That Friday, the charity bag collection man, Dick Bill Harry, was clearly delighted, 
There was much more than the bag's worth, and after we'd all helped him load his van, he gave Billy an eco-light bulb, and I took up my tapestry by the fire. You were listening to a record, Fred. Something dramatic, but still no crossword. Fred, when was the last time you saw it? Tuesday. I went to get the Oxford Book of Quotations, and then the builders arrived, and I had to go and keep an eye on them. You were knitting. I see. Oh, Fred, I did see, but I couldn't tell you. At that moment I knew, with every fibre of my being, and I wanted to die. It was quite clear that I must have gathered your puzzle up with my knitting patterns, and that it was at that moment still with them, and halfway down Sprockets Lane in the back of Dick Bill Harry's collection van. Oh, Fred, you could never know. I could never tell you. I felt so utterly foolish. I couldn't bear it if you knew. I should have to get it back. And so I told my first black lie. Do you remember? Fred, I have to meet Mrs. Baldershot and young Tom in town this afternoon. I nearly forgot. I hope you don't mind. Only she needs moral support. Now, don't worry. I'll be back in time for tea. I'll take the train. The train. The train. It was a beautiful day. I settled down on the train for the picnic and a book. I became so engrossed in the story of Mrs. Beaton that by the time I'd peeled my egg, we'd arrived in Pollington. I abandoned my egg, gathered my things, and paused on the platform to pop in a mint. I knew that Dick had his charity bag collection depot near the giant Asda because Mrs. Coyle had bought a tall boy from him for forty pounds and had told me all about it every time I saw her. This tall boy was from the charity donations yard. Cost forty pounds. I'm doing up my vestibule to look like a stately home. I rang and knocked and called out, but there was no reply. The door was ajar, so I sneaked in and looked around at the tremendous Aladdin's Cave of Tat. And there was Fred's crossword, on top of my knitting patterns, still with one clue to go. I left a coin and a Nuttall's Minto on the side and started to leave, but a picture caught my eye. It was a Romany caravan, and there was Dick Bill Harry himself, younger and boyish, but unmistakable. He was digging a trench, his strong arms brandishing the shovel. And suddenly I was there. I saw myself whittling a stick, making Dick an elegant pipe, while I stirred the soup and laughed, together felling a tree and making a canoe, while I washed my pinny with my hair down. I picked up an old shawl that was draped over a nearby commode and tied it around my waist like a circus girl, dusted down a plastic flower for my hair, and pressing play on a small tape recorder that was nearby, next to my knitting patterns, music began to play, and as I swayed to the music, I imagined myself dancing in the tattooed arms of Dick Bill Harry. In my mind I was shoeless with no hat, and I held a tambourine. I say, Dick Bill Harry, I don't feel posh at all. Let's run away and travel about. That's what I was thinking. Do you like crosswords, Dick, dear? No. Oh, good. Well, should we go to the Highlands then and catch a matinee? You what? You go and pack, and I'll dance about. The music seemed to grow louder and louder, and I laughed and laughed, kicking off my shoes, dancing and whirling around, imagining us to be like a pair of flamingo dancers in a foreign country. And then suddenly, the music stopped, and the door opened. And then, I was back in the storage container, holding Fred's crossword. There were the gasworks showrooms over the road and the MOT centre, and me in my immaculate suit. I looked up. It was Mrs. Coyle. 
My, you are having fun. Yes. Well, I need my money back, dearie. This tall boy you sold me has woodworm. Mrs. Coyle didn't recognise me. She obviously thought I was Dick Bill Harry's lover, a member of the lower class. Feeling sick with embarrassment, I gave her two twenties from my purse. Thank you. By the way, I've just seen your boss being escorted out of the police station. Embezzlement, I shouldn't wonder. Or drunk and disorderly. Again. And he'd wet himself. Oh, the shame. The shame. I wanted to strangle her, to shut her up, to run away and never return. But I knew I couldn't. Well, I hadn't even packed. I'd been utterly ridiculous. Mrs. Coyle breezed off as quickly as she'd appeared. I watched her leave, and then I put my shoes back on and began to run, running toward the train with the shawl and flower falling away behind me. What a fool I'd been. Oh, Fred, dear, we've never had an adventure together. Well, once we sat on the top deck of the bus and shared some crisps, but we didn't really like it. When I arrived home, you were waiting in the hall. And Fred, you'd packed my bags. Oh, but Fred, I found your crossword. There's only one clue left anyway, Lolly. I can do it on the train. Fred? We're going on a surprise family holiday. Camping. I'm taking my penknife. I thought I'd carve you a bin. Oh, Fred! Did you travel very far, Lolly, to help your friend out? Quite far enough, Fred. Quite far enough. I'm sorry, my darling. But I'm back now. And that concludes my book review of The Magic Art of Tidying by Marie Kondo. categories in Marie Kondo's tidying up book is clothing. You're meant to sort through things in a very particular order and you start with clothing. If you can get your wardrobe organised then you will have a much easier life. And one book that's been returned to the library which is completely on topic here is The Complete Style Guide from the Economy Beautiful organisation by Mary Spillane. It's a very interesting book. I've got it right here. It's all about finding out which colours best suit you. I'm fascinated by style and it really is a book that promises to make life simpler and that you will be a great success if you follow the advice. So what we're going to do is my husband Fred has come up with a little style test. If you'd like to stand up, I'm going to whittle you down with Fred's special personality wardrobe test. So please sit down if you have liquid brown eyes, black hair, a tanned complexion, rippling muscles and a career as a deep sea diving instructor. Sit down if you have one of those overlapping teeth and know all the words to Lady of Spain, I Adore You. Sit down if you look like Patrick Moore with Edith Piaf's hair. Sit down if you have gypsy hair, Irish eyes, a Roman nose and Scottish teeth. Sit down if you look like your name's Simon. Sit down if you have kind eyes and a poisoner's lips. Sit down if you have one of those overlapping teeth and know all the words to Lady of Spain, I Adore You. And finally, Fred says, sit down if you look like Ted Crisp. Oh, sorry, you won't know who he is, will you? He's our local undertaker. Well, he looks like Alfred Hitchcock with Sid Little's head. And all that should remain, if you're still standing, are the deep winters amongst you and you best suit early 90s clothing. And that concludes our episode today. Marie Kondo's Tidying Up book gets a resounding two and a half stars of approval. So if you can get hold of a copy of it, well, there should be plenty in the charity shops if people have done as instructed in Marie's book. That is, read it and then get rid of it. So you should be able to find a copy easily.
But if you've got better things to do, you could simply make all those other things redundant and instead live by the William Morris motto, have nothing in your house that you do not know to be useful or believe to be beautiful. And for that reason, many people don't get married. Goodbye. This episode of Wife on Earth was written by Joanna Neary and Joseph Nixon with music by Pad McLean, Head Love and Glenn Richardson and performed by Julia Cloughley Snowden, Anna Crilly, Ben Crompton, Alastair Kerr, Pat McLean, Joanna Neary and Chris Lohman. This podcast was produced by Wife on Earth and is part of the Cosmic Shambles Network.